Um, so yeah, I'm excited for this one. I can't wait to see because you you all probably saw Corbett the article in the Guardian just now. Would um oh yeah yeah. yeah. So he's delivered the content bomb right before the stream. So I expect. <laughs> oh shit! I think I've missed this. Wherever it is, <laughs> uh, I tweeted about it. So yeah, it, well, because of course I did. Um, it's all I do all day. Oh, hello. Yes, we're already seeing golden tonties in the chat. That's good. I'm gonna assume everyone can hear me. Um, and yeah, so end participation. That's yeah. You can see it on Twitter. He's delivered the content bomb that we all needed and deserved. Oh shit, I'm going to have to just look this up briefly. Yeah, look it up real quick while we um, while we collect some folks for a minute. And I just say, um, I'm definitely not going to be doing any Mike Gapes-themed Star Wars streams in the next week. Um, that's not happening. I did not have a special image of Mike Gapes commissioned that I will be using <laughs> on that stream that I'm incredibly proud of. Um... <laughs> It's one of my favorite cursed images I've ever seen. Um, good. Okay. So everything seems to work and nothing has broken. And so I think once end participation is back um, or back from Twitter. I have returned from Twitter. Yeah. What do you make of that? Uh, of the headline of it? <laughs> you dropped the bomb. Oh, wow. That's, that's wild shit. Okay. I, I look forward to the fallout from that. I look forward to all the questions we're going to get about that, even though it's not the topic. Although it could be part of the topic. Hey, Bumotron, one of my favourite names of my uh, followers on here. That's great. Okay, so welcome everyone. We're going to get started. It's been another really uneventful week where nothing's happened. I always do these on the most boring weeks um, when nothing at all happens. I've never captured the zeitgeist once. Um, so I, I'm... I am joined today by the most calm and normal people I could assemble from Twitter.com. Um, so, first of all, I'm going to introduce you to Jack. Jack from Real Politic, who, thanks to his mum, has managed to obey the court order I got to get him to come on time this time. So he's here. Um, I've also got... Um, Thank you, folks. Appreciate your mothers. Yes. They, they do a lot for you. And he is my now advice. no longer a fan of Wagner Kness. We can stop that joke. It's all forgiven now. Yeah, um. yeah I did. I did tune into that last one. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I would. Ha I would have to say, you know, um, you know, it, it's a very problematic artist. Uh, but, 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 I mean, to be fair, you've got to separate the art from the artist sometimes. And whilst, uh, you know, whilst his music is bad, I'm sure he's a really nice guy. <laughs> Oh, this is going to be a huge fight now. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, we were also joined by our resident shit poster, who's going to be trying to do serious things. That's not me. That's a different one. Uh, End participation. Who's joining us from Twitter.com and his own stream? Uh, so Jack's mum also woke me up, and uh, I'm also a big fan of Barzum too. So that's great. And I'm going to be doing my very level best to not be completely useless in this discussion so we'll see how it goes yes hopefully it's a big success and i'm uh yeah karen it's uh he does look fantastic in person the hair is ridiculous and i say that as a man with ridiculous hair myself unaided by the heat making it very frizzy um and we're also joined by a first timer on the stream and i think on twitch if i'm not mistaken 
Um, Juliet Jakes, which I'm assured is the correct pronunciation of the names before anyone gets into it, um, who most recently wrote a fantastic piece. I think the most recent thing I saw from her was the fantastic piece about British comedy that was really a really good read. I highly recommend it. I might post a link to that in a bit. Um, and participation's a lot louder than me, is he? Well, I have to turn him down. That's unacceptable. Um, but in the meantime, Juliet, do you want to introduce yourself real quick to the chat? Hi. Yeah, um, it's nice to be here. I don't have anything funny to say. I've really made a rod for my own back by writing an article slagging off like loads of comedians who I used to like, because now there's a lot of pressure on me to be funny and I just can't do it. Oh, so we'll, we'll find a way. We, we always find a way to make these funny. We would have been joined by Josie of The New Socialist, but she is uh, unwell. And so we're just going to say get well soon to her. Hopefully she enjoys the VOD. Um, and I'll have her on another time because she was by far the most popular guest I've ever had, which is not confusing in a bad way, but it's just interesting that that was the thing that happened. Um, so welcome, everyone. Um so I'm going to, just to provide some context to where we're all coming from, I'm going to ask each of you to just say, are you staying in Labour? Have you left Labour? Are you leaving Labour? Just real quick to provide some context to what we're, where we're all coming from. We'll go in the order on my screen. So Jack. Hello. Sorry, I forgot I was muted. Um, yes. So I am currently in the Labour Party to this day. Um, I'm obviously I'm I'm in two minds about this. Uh, I don't feel welcome in the party. Obviously, um, I don't necessarily feel like currently they deserve my money or support. But um, but I I haven't taken the plunge and left yet. I think you could probably say that I'm I'm biding my time. Like you know how before all the Gapesy and the big boys all left the party in 2019 there was about a year of kind of like chukka amuna is planning a new party and chukka would say no no that's false news um <laughs> so right now i'm at the oh that's false news stage about me having left the labor party um rumors have been greatly exaggerated now nah, just kidding that was something gape said before he left the labor party but nobody gives enough of a shit about uh, me to wonder whether, whether to rumor that I'm uh, that I've left the party or not, but um, but no, I mean I I I think that if there's anything keeping me in, it's the idea that there is like no bottom to the shame of these motherfuckers currently running this fucking party. So I um, you know, next time they try and like if they do actually try and kick Jeremy Corbyn out of the party, which as I've said before can be magicked into a realistic political demand by the sheer single-minded might of the British press and combined political establishment. Um, if they try and do that, then I'll leave the Labour Party and protest at that. But yeah, I suppose you could say I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for something to kind of use what little currency as a member I have um, to, to announce my departure. Uh, yeah. So that's the remain and reform argument for you all. Um, <laughs> I love calling you the remain and reform arguer since the first stream. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've slightly, um, I'd say, I've developed a more nuanced uh, perspective than simply uh, stay and fight. Having seen how the little fighting is going on from uh, 
from a lot of the the, the uh, remainers, if 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 you will. Yeah. Okay. So Juliet, just um, just explain where you're standing on that right now. On on what? Yeah. Sorry. Oh. oh, sorry. Sorry. Basically, it keeps like not. Uh, oh, sorry, not Jack. Playing... We've got confused there. I was asking Juliet. Yeah. Um, oh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to explain that basically yeah. it keeps cut. It keeps cutting off the start of people's sentences for me. So like, I di- I missed the bit where you said Juliet there. Ah, so okay. that there may be similar confusions. That's all right. I'll try my best. I'll that. myself. Okay, Juliet. Uh, just where are you standing on Labour right now? Uh, firmly back outside of it. Um, so I quit the party. Well, I cancelled my direct debit when he made David Evans um, general secretary. And then I I sent the angry email saying, you know, please, please remove me from your contacts list uh, when Starmer sacked Rebecca Long-Bailey, uh, as did a lot of other people, I'm told, um, including, like, my housemate. So, you know, I'm old. I am uh, nearly 39. And so for me, like Corbyn becoming leader of the Labour Party happened when I was just turning 34. And, um, you know, it was clearly very much an anomaly. It was, you know, most of my political life. I'd looked at the Labour Party and just been like, this thing's useless. I wish it would go away. Um, And then, of course, when Corbyn became leader, you know, I sort of joined actually after he became leader because it was so obvious that the right of the party were going to try and overthrow him so i'm really glad that i um voted in time to not have to pay 25 quid the following summer and got to you know vote against the um you know admittedly very good smithy 2016 campaign um got to vote against that without having to pay pay any extra extra money um you know, I I did engage with the Long Bailey campaign. I went to a couple of her rallies and, you know, found them fairly underwhelming, really. There wasn't a lot of energy to them. The crowds weren't very big by the end. Um, so I didn't have particularly high hopes for that. But, um, you know, I just felt that the benefits of not being attached to this thing psychologically for the time being would outweigh, you know, the benefits I could get out of staying in. I mean, Jack talked about the prospects of staying in and fighting, but I don't really know what that looks like. I don't go to CLP meetings or anything, so I'm not fighting on that level. Um, I mean, I might rejoin at some point if it's useful for me to do so, but um, but right now uh, I, I'm taking a break from it, but I'm not, I'm not ruling out going back in. Yeah, okay. Uh, end participation. I'm going to try and call you by your username uh, so I don't accidentally dox you again on the stream, um, which has happened once. Um, so go ahead. W- where are you standing on Labour? How? Tell me why it's terrible, because I know that's where you come from, would it? Well, yeah, I mean, well, Labour Party's been terrible for about 100 years. I think we can probably all agree uh, for various reasons and at various times in various ways. But uh, I don't really know when the decision on my part was made to leave the Labour Party, but I know it was in, acted upon shortly after uh, Starmer won the leadership because that signalled to me that the right-wing recapture of the Labour Party was pretty much, you know, it, it was priced in. That was what you were going to get with Keir Starmer, so that's why I decided that was it, I was done with it. I no longer wanted to, you know, couple myself to this machine that brings only demoralisation and pain and disappointment. Uh, so... Yeah, um, what else would I have to say about it? I followed the the RLB campaign for a while, 
and uh, I think same as Juliet, I found it was kind of low energy and kind of, you know, something you would sort of drudgingly almost support just to, to kind of, you know, get the left most possible candidate, but otherwise, uh, no, no more connection to Labour Party. The other thing is, it's kind of an irrelevance where I live, which is rural Scotland, so rural and Scotland, those are kind of like two Labour Party being absolutely useless modifiers, you know, so, uh, and I said if I was going to have to do something, you know, from the political grassroots, then I might as well do it with an organisation that isn't the Labour Party, and actually at least pretends to believe in some of the same things I did, so I just joined the IWW instead. Great. Okay, so just to be clear about where I'm standing on it, I am gently cruising for the exit. I pay on. I pay yearly, so I'm like, I'll get my money's worth of misery, and then I will leave. That's just... Um, oh, apparently people are expressing solidarity with your hair, Jack, so that's always nice. Um, so, okay, so with that out of the way... Um, I think Wait, it's what, what does that what does that mean? They feel sorry for my no, hair. No, they they're expressing solidarity they're with your hair. Like <laughs> they're pitying my follicles. <laughs> oh dear. Um, anyway, so since we all seem to be on the same page about investing time in labour itself, investing in its success under Keir Starmer, I think is probably a waste of everyone's time. Um, so what? do you guys reckon we should be doing instead of this like what should what should we be investing our time in to see succeed to see success with it so i'll go in the opposite order so end participation who i have not doxed yet um go for it um tell us what you think we should be investing our time in uh, a couple of minutes okay well uh this is great to be the first one but uh, i would say obviously sort of grassroots local Politics, I guess, would probably be the thing that I would be most interested in because, like, socialist politics has no presence whatsoever where I live, uh, and the, the Labour Party has no presence where I live, which might actually work to the favour, work in the favour of socialist politics. Now I think about it, and so I think a concentration on like small-scale local issues rather than like macro-political national issues would probably be a good idea. Building a, a basis for people to actually, well, building the the sort of the social base of a socialist movement, I guess, and just working on, you know, having difficult conversations, and I don't mean difficult conversations in air quotes like, uh, you know, going up north to pander to some racists or anything like that, I mean, actually, you know, engaging in ideological struggle and uh, trying to change minds and stuff like that. Uh, what else? Aye, so reframe the issues, the material issues that actually affect people's lives and do it in a way that is progressive and drives them towards progressive politics. <laughs> All right, thanks. Uh, thanks for that and participation. Juliet, what do you think we should be investing our time in, in terms of just wanting to see the success of it? Yeah, I mean, I think we can all agree that, you know, in the last election and in the period between the 2017 and 2019 elections, we got absolutely done over by the media. Um, and a part of me wants to suggest trying to infiltrate mainstream media, but I and a lot of other people on the left were trying to do that about 10 years ago. Um, and we had a level of success, but really the problem was that the gatekeepers were were able to, you know, pull up the bridge when the time came. Um, you know, 10 years of that tactic, and we've got like one prominent columnist at the moment, which is Owen Jones. Um, so... I'm more inclined towards now talking about 
building up alternative media and spaces where we can we can have conversations so you know i'm sort of putting my time and money towards the world transformed and i think for all its faults like momentum is probably still worth thinking about engaging with if you've got the stomach for it i think with the labor party you know stay in or leave i think either is perfectly valid at the moment um but you know i have been focusing on obviously my own uh media output through sweet 212 and uh, my podcast uh and both writing for and funding things like tribune and the new socialist um and uh podcasts like politics theory other so i do feel that you know finding a way to help socialist ideas like percolate through society is is very important um i mean it also echo what m participation said about grassroots organizing i've seen a lot of people in london of course like london was a real stronghold for corbynism um and every time i went canvassing in london in both elections there were always lots of people but a lot of people in london are devoting their energy towards things like the london renters union uh, and i think that sort of grassroots work is very important and in london it's not too difficult to organize and it means we keep a lot of the best things about the corbyn movement it means we keep the communal aspects of it we keep a lot of the ideological focus of it we keep the sense of struggle and comradeship and i think that's really important okay thanks julia um jack i'm gonna talk for a long while so that you know i'm specifically addressing you jack uh what do you think we should be uh because you said it cut, the start cuts off it's not because um yeah, I'm actually I actually heard the start there. It's all good. Oh good. So we, we fixed that. Um that's good. Um Yeah, so what do you think we should be because you're staying in Labour currently for now. So what do you think for now, yeah. Yeah, what do you think we should be investing our time in, at least in terms of wanting to find success in it, at least. Yeah. Well, uh partly I feel like I'm doing what Tony Benn did during the Blair years, essentially. I mean, his phrase was, I'm quitting Parliament to spend more time doing politics. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm essentially, I'm staying in the Labour Party just uh, to spend more time criticising the Labour Party. I've, uh, now, you know, now I'm on the other side of the fence. Of course, there was this mantra after 2017, oh, Labour's on the verge of government. So we've got to criticise Corbyn all the time and brief the papers that he's going to do a new Holocaust, etc. Because uh, now is the time to do it when he is our candidate for a general election. Preposterous, I know. But basically, uh, I have taken up that preposterous logic myself. And I've said, well, if Keir Starmer does, is, I mean, I don't think he will become prime minister. But if, a, you know, a large section of the establishment is basically dead set on coronating this guy, then be it within or without the Labour Party, let's hold this guy to account. Let's get down in the mud every time he tries to move a party to the right or backtrack on one of the principles that we thought that we um, we had like you know if not solidified in the party then kind of brought back into focus so um so yeah i i think that there can be a real liberation to the fact that um a lot of us are unrestrained from feeling really passionately um you know passionately that 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 the idea of getting this Labour government into number 10 matters above all else. I just don't believe that anymore. Um, 
I, I, I did believe that under Jeremy Corbyn. Um, but, you know, I, I can imagine a lot of people who have, a, a, you know, a critique that's maybe to the left of mine, but spent the last few years thinking, oh, like Jack and real politic, they're just a bunch of Labour are slickers and you know fair enough but actually the reality was you know I can speaking for myself I was a Corbyn R slicker not a Labour R slicker and uh, so so currently I'm going to use what little currency I have by being a member of the party to uh, to, to basically like use whatever meagre platform I have to um, to, to wreck uh, <laughs> to, to basically kind of put out lines that contradict Keir Starmer's strategy in the same way that people on the right did to Corbyn. I, unfortunately, I don't have the entire mainstream media at my beck and call to do that. But with my little tin pot operation, I'm going to do my best. Well, I'm excited to see where that goes, to be honest. Um, that's exactly what I'm going to do with this tin pot operation, though probably from outside... Uh, outside the party so I could be even more horrible. Though I'm not going to be horrible to any comrades who stay in the Labour Party because at the end of the day we are all on the same side and that's just a personal decision we all have to make. The chat did come up with an interesting question which is is it worthwhile Brendan posting slash Keith posting uh, slash commenting you are bald or is it counterproductive? I say keep Who posting. cares if you find it funny? Yeah, like yeah, the bald thing posting. is hilarious, man. Like anyone, like Matt Zarb, I don't know if you know, we just did an episode with him, but he is now literally bald. And, and, and you know, be, being a man who can take a joke, Matt is still ripping on the politically bald out there. So, um, so, so yeah, I'd say follow his lead. Uh, let let's keep let's keep ripping on on uh, uh, <laughs> on bald ideology. Um, having having just written about humour, I would like to say a few things. Like, firstly, Brendan forehead memes a revolutionary praxis. Like, comrades, you know the prize is in sight. That man is going to snap. Never give up. Um, so I would say that. Um, Secondly, you know, as, as somebody who has written about comedy and uh, is trying to theorise on it, um, I think the Keith ship hosting becomes funnier by repetition. So, you know, the only way to make this work is to keep doing it. Uh, you know, we all felt about the Corbyn project. The only way to make the Corbyn project persist was to persevere no matter what came our way. And I think the same goes for the Keith memes. Um, you know, every time a poll comes out that puts Labour like eight or nine points behind the Conservatives... Um, post more about how they should be 20 points ahead. Find the most esoteric 90s references you can. Suggest that Keith should be replaced by, yeah, you know, a CD single copy of Neighbourhood by Space or the Coventry City forward line of Dion Dublin and Noel Whelan or, you know, like the video for Two Become One by the Spice Girls or something. All of these things would, you know, any other leader, including all of those objects, um, would be better. So, yeah, I say keep going. I think I know what end participation is going to say, but anyway, end participation, Brendan posting, yes or no? Brendan posting is magnificent. We are living in that man's giant head, rent-free. It's beautiful. But I will, I will surprise you a wee bit when I say I don't think anything that happens on Twitter is particularly politically productive, one way or the other, or, or unproductive. It, like, Twitter is probably not where, like, politics happens, so, like, do it. Absolutely do it. Because it's great fun. And I have laughed my ass off about it. And we are clearly getting to that man. 
because if you've seen him wearing his baseball cap, it's fantastic. He's clearly rattled. That every time he posts something, the fucking that spiked has to block a whole bunch of people because they keep posting bloody Brendan's in the comments. It, it's beautiful. And but as to it being actually politically productive, I don't think so. I'm, nothing that happens on Twitter is politically productive, honestly, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Yeah, but seriously, keep posting the Brendan memes and the Keir Hams. In fact, both of them are emotes on this uh, channel that you could use if you like. We've got the original Brendan meme. And um, yes, I think Yuan Kazoo has the right idea when it says when they say Twitter is political and that politicians and journalists let it get to them because they absolutely let it get to them. And it's really funny when it's obviously getting to them. Um, like Brendan, like spiked having to block, having to block us all. I got blocked. I I only posted the Brendan as the Palantir from Lord of the Ring, and I got blocked the first time I did it. <laughs> Outrageous. Um, but I, I think I think there's you know there's levels to this stuff. For example, uh, Michael Gapes did not lose his seat at the last general election because we made all of the funny milk memes about him and stuff. However. Those memes probably did, in part, inspire him to leave the Labour Party, which indirect, well, directly led to Sam Tarry winning his seat off him. So, you know, it maybe it can maybe it can just add that little bit of chaos and confusion. It can be that little non-linear warfare strategy that we need. Again, they've got the entire media. We've just got people posting about milk and foreheads. Uh, and we still get quite a lot done considering that uh, sometimes. If I recall I correctly, think if we've learned... I... Oh, sorry, Juliet, go ahead. No, no, um, I was just going to say, I think if we've learned one thing about the British establishment in the last few years, in politics, in journalism, and in comedy, it's that they're astonishingly thin-skinned, and they can't cope with the idea of anybody kind of not liking or particularly not respecting them. So... Um, you know, while I agree with anticipation that Twitter is politically pretty useless, um, it can be quite fun to just wind these people up. So, yeah, why not? Yeah, I was I was going to say that I'm pretty sure Mike Gapes basically cited real politic as a reason for leaving the party when he was talking about social media. So, you know, it clearly got to him. And I think he, I think it's confirmed that he has listened to at least an episode of it. So, um. Oh, he has. He said so in the New Statesman. There you go. <laughs> Just so your shit posting can make that was a the golden. Guys. That was the golden era. Red George just commissioning Gates interviews to get him to talk about milk. Like ha happy days. Oh, better times, simpler times. Okay, so we do have a question that's actually serious and that I should probably read. Um... So, what are we going to do about climate change, electoralism is a dead end, and Extinction Rebellion is an op? I was basically going to lead into this, which is um, how useful it is to have an electoralist wing to anything we do, given that we are on a pretty strict time limit with everything. So I think I will go from Jack again this time, um, if he's... If he's paying attention, he is paying attention. Okay. I am paying attention, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, in terms of climate change, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I had all the answers here. I know, obviously, it's a massive priority. But it's worth saying that Labour, at the last general election, did have the most radical platform for combating climate change of, like, any party in uh, the 
developed world. So it's just kind of like, you know, uh, I, I think like the focus should be on just staying to Keith, Keith Starmer. Um, like, how, how do you morally justify uh, watering that down, as he and his people have clearly said that they, they are going to do before the next election? You know, business was not happy with those, uh, with with the uh, 30, what was it? No, no zero carbon emissions by 2030 target. Uh, they were all like, oh no, it's got to be 2050. We've got to have 20 more years to fuck up the world. And I mean, you know, God, God knows who Keith Starmer's taken money from. This is the guy who took thousands upon thousands of pounds from uh, the founder of bet 365 who uh who who his own aide carolyn harris described as morally repugnant or something like that you know that, that there's uh that that corporate money is back in the labor party so that could be a big influence on their stance on climate change um that that, that you know I don't know if you you've noticed all their tedious communiques recently, but it's always business first. It's always businesses and people. You know that's the natural order of things. Number one and number two. Um, so 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 I mean, yeah, we we can't necessarily put much hope in in Keith and the gang, um, like proposing the solutions we need. But but you know, I think that's really tragic actually, because unfortunately I feel like combating climate change is something that cannot be left to, you know, uh, activists. It it actually does need something as huge as that actually does need uh government to be involved. It does need the state to be uh uh kind of regulating things and imposing concrete initiatives. That, um, that can actually rein in the, the the super polluters who are destroying our planet. Uh, so so uh, long long convoluted uh, answer there, which I suppose comes back to um, attack the leadership of Keir Starmer <laughs> again. <laughs> Just that's our answer to everything. Attack Keir. Oh, Keith. Sorry, I forget his name sometimes. I mean, really. Um, Juliet, please go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I would second a lot of what Jack just said, actually, you know, one of the issues that did bring me more round to trying to work with, you know, big political parties in relatively mainstream settings was climate change, because as Jack says, you know, it's not something that can really be addressed at sort of grassroots level or not only at grassroots level. Um, Yeah, I mean, I do think Extinction Rebellion, like, if they come to dominate the conversation around this subject if the labor party back away from um from the green new deal i think that's that's a problem for us and i mean it's been a problem for us you know one of the more interesting i guess problems during the corbyn period the legacy we're going to have to deal with is the way that um liberals really sort of took over protest movements during the sort of four years four and a half years of corbyn's leadership um and whether we can wrest back the space for like large scale protest movements um, and how useful that will be to us, I think in terms of like climate change will be a really interesting testing ground for that problem more widely. So yeah, I mean, I, I would echo what you've both said so far that like we need to, you know, find ways whether it's in or out of the party to put a lot of pressure on labor to, um, to stick to its climate offer from the, 
2019 election. I guess it'll be interesting to see what the Green Party do from here because of, of all the sort of relatively established parties, they're the one that's still the best place really to siphon off younger votes from Labour and votes from the left. And like, it'd be interesting to see whether they become as big a threat to Labour as they did in the sort of 2010 to 2015 period. Um, so yeah, I'm keeping an eye on that as well. Um, and participation would you like to offer your two cents on climate change or the f fact that we don't have time necessarily for electoralist projects uh yeah we don't have time for electoralist projects but i would also probably say that we likely don't have time to build the kind of grassroots you know left-wing base that we would need to pursue anything else i do not have a good answer for this it's a horrifying situation and it's an accelerating march towards certain death or uncertain death, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, this one's a big question and kind of a hard one to get my head around because I don't have faith that any sort of party in bourgeois politics can face up to climate change and can take the necessary steps to... Um, to arrest climate change, take the necessary action against multinational corporations, for instance, to do so. I, I think they're too big and transnational for that. So it's going to take a lot of everything that we can muster. And beyond that, I can't really say. Okay, I won't speak too much about climate change because last time I did it, I was accused of imparting a lot of existential dread. Um, which, I mean, it is it is that bad. Um, I do think that Luke in the chat did make an interesting point, which is that Ed Miliband might put a bit of leftward pressure on the Green New Deal, but I think the best you can hope for is they'll say, 2040, it's within the, it's within the uncertainty boundary, so it's probably going to be fine. Um, I got bad news about uncertainty um, within uncer uncertainty ranges with climate science. It doesn't work. Like, we well, always get it wrong. It's a sad state of affairs when we're basically relying on Ed Miliband and Annalise Dodds to be like the leftmost conscience of the shadow cabinet, you know. I mean, to be fair, there's like Andy MacDonald is a left winger and Margaret Greenwood as well. There's, there's a couple, uh, Marsha de Cordova and some junior ministers. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But in terms of the people who actually seem to have a presence, um, you know. But but basically, what I said initially, it's just it's just sad. But we're left with with uh, with Ed, who was a, a you know a, very, a terrible leader of the party, um, as as like the left vanguard of the shadow cabinet. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a great situation to be in. I don't think. Um, would anyone else like to come back on that at all? Otherwise, I'm going to move on to some of the other questions because they've started coming in a bit quicker. Um, so, I guess. This is kind of important for any um, any project, no matter what we pursue, this question. So the right-wing population of this country is, by and large, people over 50. I think that's probably essentially true enough that we can, um, we can roll with that as our premise. Um, is it possible to reach them? If so, how? I got bad news. Nope, you cannot reach them because they are, by and large, property-owning people. Um... <laughs> They, they have their property. They have pulled the ladder up behind them. Reaching them through gentle means is not necessarily going to work with a lot of them. Like, people with 
practically begging their grandparents to vote Labour at the last election. Did they vote Labour? Nope. So, you know, um, and participation. You go first with this one. Well, I don't know if I can take this question on, like, straight on, but I do have some things to say about, like, the culture war. Because the, the thing that interests me about the culture war is that, like, when I was, like, growing up, like, getting interested in politics and all that kind of stuff, you looked at, like, the, the far right in this country, which was gaining ground and stuff like the Euro elections and all that kind of stuff, and it was usually in the form of the BNP. And they, they were gaining ground by focusing on, like, dog shit politics, like, uh, you know, sort of material politics. They were talking about housing and all that kind of stuff, and then reframing it to be about immigrants or what have you. So they, were, they, were, they found a way to actually speak to working class people and, you know, they got some council seats and they did well in the Euro elections and all that kind of stuff by reframing issues that people actually cared about and making them about immigrants or about the EU or all that kind of nonsense, right? But there's been a shift in the way right-wing politics or, like, hard-right politics in this country organises itself and it's more of a sort of, like, I don't know, an Americanised model or something. And this is where the culture war seems to come from and it's all very abstract and it's all... People, like, usually petty bourgeois people, property-owning people with too much time in their hands, inventing shit to get mad at, whether they have a job in the media or they just have a social media account or whatever. So they invent shit about, like, bendy bananas or all that kind of stuff and, you know, get themselves hopping mad about that and make some viral memes about that. And it hits Boomer Facebook and it goes through, like, the modern equivalent of chain emails, whatever that is. I don't think you can reach these people because they've been radicalised past any point of like reasoning them out of what they've reasoned themselves into but you can try and stop it happening again i think by focusing on material politics and channeling people's actual needs and concerns towards progressive ends i guess is what i'm trying to say so like we can't do anything with that generation but the next generation like aging up into there they, they there might be a chance there okay juliet uh your take on this yeah it is a difficult one um i mean i've just actually spent three months back in the suburbs with my parents um which has been quite interesting you know it made me think a lot about our our model of um you know doorstep conversations um and how you know in hindsight um you know the sort of five five to ten minutes you get granted by someone on the doorstep just before an election, if you're lucky, was never going to be enough to counter, you know, four years of sustained, like, media bullshit. Um, and, you know, very, very widely across the media, uh, you know, sort of attack lines becoming just the basis for the truth of talking about the Labour Party as far as these people saw it, and you're never going to cut through that, um, you know, if people did you the courtesy of not slamming the door in your face, which often happened with... 50 to 80 year olds while people are out on the campaign trail so and you know and then the additional problem there is i think a lot of that generation do just see politics as sort of labor versus conservative so now that we don't have the leadership of the labor party anymore you know we've got the added complication of trying to win people over to a left politics that is more marginal and more uh, diffuse harder to see and to understand um but I don't think we should be writing people off. Um, you know, legacy media is actually not in a particularly good way now. Um, it's not going to come out of the crisis very well. And there might be more spaces for us to um, 
and have a bit more influence over the political discourse, I guess. So I think it's worth just keeping an eye out for those opportunities, but I'm also in agreement um, with them participation that we should really focus on on younger people and sort of, you know, making sure that in like five or ten years time, um, you know, we do have more of a of a movement that is, you know, if it needs to step back in charge of the Labour Party and is able to do that, then that might happen. I think things do move very quickly now and I think we we might be able to resume leadership of the Labour Party a lot sooner than maybe we expect. Um, but also, you know, as as crisis follows crisis, just sort of making sure that our ideas have a way of percolating through through society. Yeah. I think it's the second time I've used that phrase. Um, yeah. Well, it's a good phrase. So, um, okay, Jack. First of all, someone has told me to tell you that they um, they someone accused them of being your alt on Twitter. So that's fun. Um, that appears to happen quite often. Yeah. Um, otherwise, so, sorry, I, I I forgot to mute myself. But that happened all the time in um, in 2017. Uh, every every left shit post account, some centrist nerd would claim it was me. Um, but since then, you know, with a series of suspensions and so on, I'm not, I'm not so much in there, uh, in the eye of those people anymore. And that seems to have stopped. So it's fascinating that that shit's still going on. Uh, I'd, I'd love to know who that was. Oh, it was, uh, Jane Pickering. I think but carry on. Um, sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry, Jack. I just had to derail that. I had to derail my own stream because I can't help myself. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Hold on, let me try and remember the question and compose myself. It's about over 50s, the fact that the bulk of the oh, right yeah. wing of the country is over 50, and how do we reach them, if at all? Well, there was something, I think it, maybe it was Juliet, or it might have been Owen Hathaway, uh, who was saying on Twitter the other day, uh, that after 2017, we had to kind of convince ourselves that, that these people were reachable. Because, <laughs> you know, when 40% of the population is willing to basically go for your ideas, you have to kind of rethink your assumptions of, uh, of the population. And um, I think a lot of us basically became convinced that we could make a kind of rational case for Corbynism. Um, oh, uh, am I still, am I yep, still, still coming across? Yep, you're still on. Oh, has he died? Have we lost Jack? As um, oh no, I can't believe Jack's got got by the uh by the CIA. Um, let's see, let's see if he comes back. F's in the chat for Jack, who has oh no, he's back. Yeah, it, it can. Are people still there? Yeah, people are still here. We yep. Yeah. Hello. Hey, Jack, you're back. Yeah. Did uh, when when did it cut me off? Oh, um, so someone's made the joke that they traced your IP through Twitter. I've it was uh, about <laughs> Juliet Oren Hafley's article. Uh, it well, it was just something that one of them tweeted, oh, but yeah, they tweeted, they basically, yeah. uh, you know, it was something about how after the twenty seventeen election, we a lot of us convinced ourselves basically that these people, um, who for the most part are fanatically opposed to all kinds of vaguely leftish politics, are reachable. But we could make a kind of rational case for socialism to them. Um, you know, for me, that was one of the great strategic missteps was uh, just just thinking we could kind of in the wake of 2017 bring kind of like 
middle class right wing liberals into our our tent by just clearly, you know, we we thought that somehow a large section of capital would back us uh, because we weren't advocating a hard Brexit. I mean, that seems to assume a strange benevolence on the part of the of of, of the forces that our politics uh, should be entirely about basically crushing uh, and who who are very very focused on crushing us so i think be it institutional or um or individuals um we we there are actually a lot of people uh who we're just not we're just not going to reach because their interests will, like you say, Sinan, some of them are property owners, some of them are property developers, maybe. Um, you know, and, and their interests will always be opposed to ours. So, yeah, that, so that's the thing. I mean, I'm not, I can't say that I see an alternative to maintaining some kind of engagement with leftist politics, sorry, with electoral politics. But, uh, but at the same time, um, I don't know if there is a progress. I, I don't think that there is currently a, a you know, progressive majority in this country. Um, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of the last few years has uh, the left has fallen back on a kind of an essentially liberal notion of thinking that uh, that most people, including basically most of the establishment, are just essentially kind of decent and benevolent. Um, you know, I don't think we can be misanthropic uh, and be cynical t- uh, towards everyone, but we can't just assume, you know, that uh, that we're going to bring like fi- finance, we're going to bring the city around to what we're doing or something. In terms of just older people, again, just it's just a, a difficult question to answer. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm ignoring the crepes, crepe-related questions because they're from someone I know, IRL, and I'm not, I'm not dignifying his nonsense with a response beyond this. Um, okay. So we do have an actually interesting question from Luke, a uh, friend of the stream, I guess we might call him. Uh, given that either we change the Labour Party or we have to crush it, a premise I'm more than willing to accept, if you don't think we can change it, how do we crush it? End participation. Thoughts on... Wait, sorry. I should go to Jack first. So, Jack, can we change the Labour Party? And if not, how do we crush it if we can crush it? How do we persocify this horrible party that we all have to be tied to for some reason? Fuck. You know, I, I don't think that us as, you know, activists, shit posters, whatever, uh albeit maybe the former is slightly more of an important thing than the latter there. Uh, I yeah, I don't think we can crush the Labour Party. Uh, Passockification at, at times, I suppose, you know, it can it can go one of two ways. Sometimes it is that, that, that a new insurgent left-wing force like Syriza comes along and takes, uh, in that case, the great chunk of the center-left support base but a lot of the time you know it is just kind of like the left fails and doesn't get replaced by a left-wing force i mean uh i guess to an extent just trying to find an example like france uh uh oh no no even in france there was a kind of persocification of the socialist party and that melanchon's movement is uh, is doing a lot better than than the now uh, moribund party of the centre left, but 
Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think we can uh, crush the Labour Party from our position. I think we can put the dents in it, maybe. Um, but no, I, you know, essentially, my belief is that Keir Starmer is going to destroy the Labour Party himself. I mean, it's such a scorched earth strategy he's pursuing at the moment. Uh, and again, over the last few years, there's been this whole idea that 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 the, the discrediting of Corbyn and the Corbyn movement won't have any adverse effects on um, on the Labour Party uh, as a whole. And, you know, uh, Blair fucked up Labour's reputation for years to come. Just just objectively, people people still resent the party because of what he did. So I, I, I feel like there's no... Um, but, you know, it, it's hard to argue that the sheer... Um, the extent to which the party as it existed under Corbyn has been attacked won't um disenfranchise you know won't, won't disadvantage it for years to come uh and, and if starmer wants to further whittle down the people who have any sympathy towards this party by alienating progressively everybody who did um see through the barrage of misinformation about the corbyn project then i i really i really honestly do think there's not a path to power for him um and and, and, and honestly i i i really I do not take any pleasure in this, but I think it will take uh, the Conservatives being re-elected for the a billionth time in a row uh, for for Starmerism to be discredited and a possible path for the left the left to emerge back. But again, that's not we don't have much agency in that necessarily, and that's obviously the end goal. The, the result of that would be another Tory government, which is obviously uh, not opportune for people on the left or vulnerable in society or uh any anyone really um so uh although you know uh, <laughs> I, I was just listening to a thing with some journalists the other day a, a podcast i can't remember who who it was but uh, it might have been matt kennard but it was um he was just saying that basically when uh when the tories got in all the torture and rendition and stuff that was going on under new labor just stopped so um you know given the, the the fact that keir starmer's labor party seems to be uh to the right of corbynism on everything uh, and willing to take positions to the right of the conservative party you know it might actually not be very good for the world for for people in the global south for example uh for keir starmer to become prime minister and him his his labor party to form a government but again i think that's unlikely so sorry sorry for convoluted answer there that's okay. Um, Juliet, um, thoughts on crushing or changing the Labour Party and how we might do it? Sorry, yeah, just unmuted myself. Um, yeah, either is difficult. Um, you know, we have tried to change the Labour Party and we've had a massive membership and control of the leadership, at least, for the last few years. And we've, you know, really, the Labour Party has reverted to type spectacularly quickly like a lot faster than even i expected really and i was pretty pessimistic about that um persocifying it under our electoral system is quite difficult um you know i mean the green party which you know sort of liberal left really i guess you know has been building solidly for 40 years or so and has only ever won one seat um and you know got dragged into liberalism pretty much as soon as it won it. Uh, so, you know, forming a new party with the massive disparities in uh, 
party funding, in media presence, all of the things that we would need to build up a new party is going to be very, very difficult. But, you know, nonetheless, you can look historically to the example of the Labour Party overhauling the, the Liberals within within about 25 years of its foundation. So it's a generation's work. And, you know, as we are saying earlier, we might not have a generation because of of climate change in particular. But, um, you know, I, I don't think we should be discounting it entirely. Um, you know, what I would say, given that we are essentially back in the Miliband period, is that, you know, something like the People's Assembly or maybe even just reviving the People's Assembly uh, may not be a terrible approach, you know, something that can pull the sort of Corbyn movement together into something that's not necessarily got a sort of political program, but is ready to develop one when the opportunity occurs. And obviously, you know, if we do get the leadership of the Labour Party again, if we do capture that particular flag, then we need to be a lot more ruthless. Um, it's difficult because, you know, I think Corbyn wouldn't have ever won the Labour leadership. He wouldn't have been nominated for it if he wasn't perceived as like an incredibly nice bloke. And quite a passive guy and obviously a signature thought of Corbyn and the Corbyn project was that he was too nice to both his friends and his enemies. Um, you know, can we can we get a candidate to the top of the Labour Party who gives the impression that that won't be the case? I'm not sure. It's going to be very, very hard. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily a case of change the Labour Party or crush it. Um, I'm not sure that's necessarily a completely binary opposition. Okay, uh, end participation. I know that your argument got ruined in the chat just then, um, but please use that argument so that it's on the VOD forever. Okay, well, I think like whether you want to change or destroy the Labour Party, you're going to need some like actual pressure on its left left flank. So like, you either destroy the Labour Party electorally, and you do that by starting from the bottom up. So like, Sinan's talked a lot about like uh, a sort of a united left list kind of idea, where like independent candidates and whatnot can be endorsed by this organisation that maybe gives them activists or whatever. But do councils attack Labour councils? Take away Labour councils, the worst organ of the Labour Party. Like, just kill it. But also get into a trade union and try and work within the trade union to agitate for it to disaffiliate from the Labour Party. Conditionally. You know, you know, fix up a bit, start actually supporting the unions and we'll stay kind of thing. Actually set conditions on the, the union link. I think both of the, them would be good steps. And uh, yeah, I genu generally think the Labour Party will either have to change to accommodate this new leftward pressure or will just utterly fail to, to meet your demands and your your expectations and hopefully just hemorrhage support and just die finally die jesus so uh yeah we'll just say that okay i will put i will point out that whenever i talk about these sort of left lists independence sort of things i always point to the ashfield independence who went from something like essentially no council seats not even local council seats in 2015 to beating labor into third in ashfield and utterly humiliating them so if you if you just completely clean house at the local level, who knows? Maybe you can start embarrassing Labour and making them look like the vote splitters to keep the Tories out. Who can say whether that's a that's a good idea or not? Um, 
I certainly, I'm still technically a member of the Labour Party. I'm talking hypothetically entirely through this entire discussion. Um, as much as I want to ask Jane's question, it's not really relevant. And we talked about it at the start. Oh, you've done a corn stammer for me, have you? Fantastic. Um, okay. Um, it's not, it's, uh, okay. I guess we can make it relevant because I find it so interesting. So what will come from Jeremy Corbyn calling out the Labour saboteurs? I got interesting news for you it's going to be drama lots of drama and it's going to be good posting but i don't think anything particularly great is going to come from it um just really quickly on that one and participation and everyone just real quick uh all the usual hogs will whip themselves up into an absolute lather and we are going to have like posting like we have never seen before i don't know if my head can take it to be honest i really don't i'm going to be absolutely shit-faced tomorrow because it's my birthday and i don't know how i'm going to react to the discourse Happy birthday tomorrow. Uh, Juliet, just really quickly, because it's not really relevant, but I found it interesting enough. Yeah, it's hard to say, really, because like a lot of the people you know, named in the leaked report had left the party or you know, left the roles that they're in. Um, so I really don't know what the fallout is going to be. I mean, Corbyn isn't really saying anything that lots of other people haven't said already, is he? Not really. I mean, I guess, you know, who it's coming from is important, but... Um, you know, it's all, all stuff that was already known. But, um, you know, the sort of every time you think the British media can't have any more of a sort of like just preposterous breakdown, it finds a way. So I'm sure it's going to find a way over this. Yeah, go for it, Jack. I saw you unmuted. Uh, yeah, well, um, I, I, I feel like that Guardian, the latest, piece by by the uh, the execrable peter walker which he co-wrote with jessica elgott i think uh jesus christ peter walker is catfishing people on his twitter abby like he's got he's got a little picture of the guardian where he looks like some shrunken head using a voodoo ritual uh but basically um yeah he uh he, him and jessica jessica elgott wrote this piece two days ago called uh labor misused private messages to portray party members as racist i mean this was a surprising article for a couple of reasons firstly i wasn't aware the, Gu the guardian had any compunctions about uh describing labor members as racist uh, i mean this as far as i know every one of their columnists seem to as seems to have had a go at that at some point um but secondly i mean it's just this idea that it's basically uh <laughs> if not actively criminal then just rude and unwelcome uh to talk uh just kind of impolitic to talk about uh say the stuff shown in malik's report uh the sheer amount of misinformation about corbyn and corbynism uh and and so on you know it's just like the the, the idea is well whether or not this kind of mantra you get from like a lot of people on the so-called soft left is like, well, wh whether or not the stuff was true, uh, you've just kind of got to price it in now. And it would somehow like, I don't know, it will upset some unspecified person who yeah probably works for a PR company now uh, that if we if we uh, say that the left has got a bad lot here. So what, what I think is welcome. Um, uh, about Jeremy Corbyn's response, which, like a lot of other stuff, like there was an article written by a former McDonald's staffer today talking about the efforts to undermine uh, the party under Corbyn's leadership. Um, 
I, I think where this is welcome is that, again, Corbyn's flying in the face of another kind of melty mantra we're hearing at the moment, which is just, again, it's that it's bad and self-centred and somehow bad optics for Corbyn to ever defend himself. You saw this the, the other day with a, the preposterous idea that he's like this wealthy guy and should sell his house, uh, which is only as valuable as it is because of London property values in order to fund uh, what what should be a libel trial where, you know, he, he should never be in court in the first place. These are vexatious cases. So um, so so so, so be- I think it's very welcome that he feel that this has been leaked, especially um, that, that Corbyn, Seamus Milne, McDonnell uh, and several other prominent people uh, who, who were involved in the party under his leadership are basically standing up and saying, um, you know, stuff like in this article, it says uh, that Corbyn and co allege that in 2017, hostile officials set up a shadow operation in Westminster office as part of efforts to plot their own election course. Well, yes, I I suppose they do allege that. But uh, if you want to hear the people who did that, alleging that it happened then i would suggest you uh you read the leaked labor report because it's not exactly what i describe um as an allegation so much so um so yeah i mean i, I again i think this is great uh forget the concern trolling uh, uh, forget this idea that Jeremy Corbyn should just kind of uh, quietly go into the night uh, and, and and let this trashing of his reputation and and by proxy all our reputations. If people think that like le- that that throwing Corbyn under the bus is going to save your ass from a right from right coming for you in you know a week or so, then then you are absolutely kidding yourselves. So uh, so sol- basically solidarity with Jeremy Corbyn and everybody else who who is uh, sticking up for themselves against an obscene uh, and repugnant rat fucking operation that right now is trivializing the Holocaust by describing uh, this um, the the the, the uh, case being made by Corbyn supporters at the moment against the party's right as a quote unquote stabbed in the back myth a Nazi trope that it is just completely inappropriate to invoke in this context. So yeah, you know, solidarity with my man Jezza, basically. Yeah. Um, someone has asked in the chat whether the comments have been refuted. No, they always say that there's a context without providing the context. Yeah, That's what like... fucking context? Oh, Diane Abbott's crying in the toilets. Let's fucking tell Michael Crick. Oh, I'm sure there's a context where that's actually like anti-racist and uh, sympathetic <laughs> to Diane Abbott. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Sinan. Has, has anyone ever said, oh, my comments have been taken out of context? and then been exonerated by the context? Has that ever happened? No. I don't think so. I, don't, I think there may have been one case, maybe, which was the guy who got sued in Turkey for calling Erdogan Gollum, and they had to get like a literature professor in to explain the role of Gollum in the books. Um, sorry, end participation. I cut you off with that horrible, horrible anecdote. No worries. I was just going to say that, yeah, actually, thinking about it, that... Their like behavior towards like Diane Abbott and like and it just gets me into an actual kind of frothing rage. To be honest, it's it's schoolyard bully shit. It's genuinely just so demoralizing, dispiriting to read about because she's like, you know, she already gets abuse from like I don't know all all the bald men in the country. You know, all the fucking puce faced, you know, fucking small business owning bastards up and down the country, and she has to deal with these people, people who should have her back. 
that are fucking telling Michael Prick, or whatever his name is, about, about her crying in the toilets about it. That's fucking disgusting. It just genuinely makes me incredibly mad. Yeah, it, it, I'm not going to get into how mad I get because I can't yell and scream on the stream too much. Um, though the person who's usually in the room with me is away right now, so I could do a little bit of screaming maybe. But um, I have to be serious because... And I, I, I'm going to sort of start narrowing down the questions a little bit so that we stick strictly to what's relevant. Though I will ask uh, the question that was addressed to Jack about a video would got Bobby Gillespie looking miserable in... A, in an oppressive, sultry red room with Andrew Neil and Patillo dancing around like malevolent jesters. Apparently, that video has disappeared, and they want it back. So uh, that'll be all the suspensions. I'm sure Tom's got it on his computer, so I'll ask him to stick that up on our YouTube account. Great, I'm looking forward to that. I'm not going to do any screamo because I feel bad enough for my guests because they have to be here in this heat with me. Uh, yeah, um, okay, but the serious questions. Uh, what Corbyn gave the left was a momentary ceasefire between some previously opposed left factions. Is that shredded now? So I'm not as um, on it as some other people may be with the intricacies of this. So I'm going to go first to Jack to see if he knows um, if he can elucidate this at all for us, whether that ceasefire is done. Um, I, I mean, to some extent, I mean, it, it, essentially, I, I, I feel like, uh, for, for a what for basically 2017 to 18, maybe a bit of 19, I, I, I consciously pursued a strategy of like conciliation with elements of the soft left. I know that's not a very real politic thing to say, but I, I, I was desperately, uh, trying to do my bit by holding together a project but I felt basically kind of it needed to involve some people who were a bit normy and were maybe a bit uncomfortable with the stuff we like about you know saying up the raw or whatever but they liked they ostensibly liked all our policies uh those people I have decisively broken with I can't fucking stand any of that that lot right now but um but in terms of actual actual people on the left uh you know I've actually felt Again, it's this thing of like, I'm not constantly like, oh, God, please don't go there. Please don't go there. Jeremy Corbyn is the guy we're trying to make prime minister. Please don't say that about him. You know, I was constantly thinking about the last couple of years of Corbynism about people on the left. Uh, now, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't give a fuck what someone says about Keir Starmer <laughs> or the party. So I, I'd actually say in a lot of ways, you know, uh, I, I feel I feel more of a you know a kinship with my with my more radical comrades at the moment. Uh, you know, like I say, it was never about the, the you know uh, the red rosette to me. That's I saw a tweet earlier, some guy, some you know, just one of those random accounts, but he was just like, uh, you know, oh, you selfish Corbynistas, you all loved socialism so much more than you love the Labour Party. And it's like, yes, I absolutely do uh, love the beautiful, at its core, ideals of socialism, uh, much more than the party that did the Iraq war. Thank you very much. So, um, so, so I guess what, 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 you know, it, uh, it, it's, you know, in, in part, like, not, not having the Corbyn movement there as a kind of dividing line, as it, it's helped me uh, focus slightly more on um on, on i guess like the substance of people's politics or where they're coming from in their hearts rather than matters of strategy like you know oh what you voted green how fucking dare you 
<laughs> you know. Although, still, I, I don't think you should vote for that lot. But yeah. Okay, uh, Julia, is the ceasefire over? Is it done? Are we are we going to war with loads of different leftist groups? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, an interesting historical context of Corbynism, of course, is it came after the, um, you know, the Comrade Delta scandal in the SWP, which did the SWP an awful lot of damage. Um, and, you know, I do feel like there's a generational shift happening in the left that sort of happened through the Corbyn years. Um, and, you know, one of the interesting things about the Corbyn project for me was always that there was this sort of interesting mix of like over 60s and under 40s um, involved with it, sort of campaigning level, policy level, everything, um, and not that much in between. Um, it's not that obvious what the factions are, because I think one reason why Corbynism came together in the way it did is because sort of, you know, older approaches, you know, derived from, you know, a hundred years ago, you know, Leninism, Stalinism, Trotskyism, um, and then obviously later, like, things like Maoism um, and the sort of, you know, post-1968 approaches to politics, Soissons Wittards, um, all of those things feel pretty, you know, not hugely relevant to the society we're living in now. So, you know, whether or not the broader left can come together um, to organise around, you know, a society that's dominated by, like, platform capitalism and technology and, um, you know, precarious working patterns and sort of weaker unions and things, you know, that really remains to be seen. Um, I mean, I think it does help that we are more networked now. Um, you know, I mean, Twitter and things are platforms that you can, you know, obviously fall out on, but they are obviously platforms that keep people in touch with each other a lot more and, and maybe just keep up a sense of the urgency of the situation that we're in. Um, and I mean, I, you know, I mean, Jack mentioned the, the, the soft left, but obviously, you know, the Labour Party are going to cut them off as soon as they finish cutting off the, the harder left, the more radical left. Um, so it may well be that we find ourselves back in some sort of loose alliance with those people at some point in the next couple of years so i don't know i mean i do feel one of the positives of the corbyn project was to you know highlight people whose politics was essentially about sort of preserving their own sense of purity you know lots of us i think looked at the labor party when corbyn got in and thought labor party geez no thanks and then said well you know it's this or nothing really realistically and brought ourselves to to get involved with it and you know i think there there were and are and will be further positives that come out of that that we don't necessarily know about yet. Um, and, you know, the sort of people who just sort of stayed on the sidelines for the sake of just preserving their own sort of sense of, of, of integrity, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens to, to those people now as well and whether we can build alliances with them or if we even want to. But um, I don't know. I'm not completely pessimistic about this, basically. Okay, um, and participation. Are we are we ready to rock? Are we doing war? Is this what's happened? Will we defeat them in the marketplace of ideas, aka my um, my Discord server? Will we do this? Um, go for it. I kind of want to follow on with uh, what uh, Juliet was just saying there, because like a, a comrade said recently, I think it was Said that said that you know Corbyn's electoral coalition was uh, was in many ways the future of this country. You know, whatever 
capitalism has to throw to throw at this country. It's going to affect those people. It's going to be, you know, young people, ethnic minorities, LGBTQ people, precarious workers, immigrants. It's going to be all those people are going to be the ones that are going to be getting absolutely hammered by it. So they have material interests in common anyway. I think this the, the alliance that was built around Corbyn was one that emerged organically. It wasn't one that was consciously sought. I mean, he didn't expect to win the, the leadership election or anything like that. So this whole experiment has highlighted probably the most the most useful resource to come out of it hasn't been influencing the Labour Party or, you know, like, well, the experience that people have gained with, like, activism, even just in the terms of canvassing and all that kind of stuff, you know, having those difficult conversations where you get store slams in your face has probably been pretty good. But that having this broad swathe of people united by common interests and having a somewhat common experience of getting absolutely rat-fucked by bourgeois politics is probably quite a good thing for the left. Uh, and hopefully it won't just become demoralised and dissipate and shrivel up, it will actually coalesce into something else further down the line. Because events have already shown that they can massively overtake us, like coronavirus and Black Lives Matter process and all these things. So hopefully when these things happen, we will be able to play an active role in shaping them rather than just be borne up by them from here on. That's all I've got to say. Okay. Um, okay, so this is kind of a joke question, but it does have a serious point to it. But I will add the joke bits in. Um, if any left-wing movement gains significant momentum at a national political level, how long would it, would it take for it to be co-opted by liberals or the intelligence services? Answers in minutes, please. Um, 69 minutes. I give it. Um, that's my semi-serious answer. Um, and participation, because I think I think we'll go to you first. It's kind of useful to go to you first, because you have tapped into the idea I had about lists and national organisations and so on. So, is I suppose the more serious way of framing that is how would you prevent the co-opting? I think like the good thing about your strategy is that there is no centralised leadership of the actual actors in play if you like the what you know the one thing that is kind of central is the the sort of the support structure for this idea um so it wouldn't be able to necessarily direct policy or things like that i mean they would be able to wreck 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 if they wanted to but i would think that we would just fucking roll it up and then move on to something else you know <laughs> keep, keep building the same organization over and over again if you have to but i, I don't know I, I would say uh about 26 minutes anyway <laughs> I, I'm not as sure as is the main thing <laughs> okay Juliet uh, your thoughts on that um, yeah I mean I think infiltration by um, you know the special demonstration services or whatever they call themselves now would be pretty swift um, you know they're onto things pretty quickly these days um, so you'd have to look out for that uh, I mean, co-opting by liberals, I think actually, you know, liberals now, I think what they're trying to do, um, I listened to uh, Real Politic with, with Matt's old cousin, which will Jack will be able to expand on this, but, you know, uh, Matt was talking about the the way in which sort of Starmer and sort of liberals and sort of centre-right are trying to just be kind of unaccountable, David Cameron styles, just sort of ignore criticisms of them and um, deny them legitimacy by just not take any notice of them really or not seriously um and certainly not allowing any accountability and i think that would be the case with any sort of new 
new left movement, there would just be like a very conscious effort on the part of politics and media to keep it uh, marginal as much as possible. So I think it would it would have to wait until it did grow out of the space where they could control it like that. So I think it might actually take longer than than you think for liberalism to co-opt it. But I think, yeah, like internal wrecking caused by, you know, um, a mixture of um, agent provocateurs and just the left having a tendency to do that to itself um, would, would happen within about five minutes. So we've, that's the shortest time so far. So Jack, go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, asking me a question about uh, like security services infiltration and the left is always going to be getting into opening a big old can of worms. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this could be a tale of murder most foul here. But um, but no, um, I, I think it's going to be fascinating looking back on Corbynism uh, in a few years' time when someone's written a Seamus Milne, the enemy within style account of what went, what actually went down. Uh, just seeing who actually was working for the intelligence services the whole time. I mean, look, this is fully me being a conspiracy theorist, but there's this naive idea in Britain that literally everywhere else in the world, like the security services do everything they can to suppress even the most mild kind of uh, social democracy or leftist kind of politics. Uh, when the so-called social democrats aren't explicitly explicitly allying themselves with the security state and uh, fascists, that is. But um, but but the over in Britain, of course, that doesn't happen. You know, <laughs> anti anti communism, which uh, as someone pointed out in a really interesting thread on Twitter, uh, once communism was defeated, uh, the anti communist uh, just think kind of the Mike Gapes attitude to Russia and communism, etc., uh, which is the predominant attitude in Britain now, unfortunately. Um, you know, that, that they basically just transferred their hatred onto like social democrats and electoralist socialists like the quite moderate Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, so, um, um, so, so, but somehow there's this idea that, that uh, around the world, uh the 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 uh you know the the anti-communists they march people into stadiums and pull out your fingernails and so on with and poke you with hot irons but in britain no they're, they're not very nice guys they're just acting in good faith you know they're not fanatically right wing the fact that they identify socialism and socialists as the main problem in society is not an extremely fucked up view of the world okay they're, they're good faith actors so yeah it's going to be fascinating to see not just which like shithead pundits uh naming no names uh but you know think circular uh, uh <laughs> in surname terms there um but not just which of them were all along acting literally explicitly in the interests of various security services around the world. Um, uh, because you just think like, uh, like the United States of America do not want Jeremy Corbyn being uh, prime minister. They did not want Ed Miliband to be prime minister. And I think you can probably say the same about like MI5. Um but but not just which pundits were, were on their side ultimately, but which figures like within momentum within the Labour Party. Uh, I'm not just talking about MPs who were strictly protect assets here. I mean, like, yeah, you know, maybe it would turn out that there was a momentum national coordinator. <laughs> 
or, or, or something who uh, all along was a uh, security services asset. Um, so that so this is my speculation. Like, guys, uh, you know, just don't don't like underestimate the establishment. Okay, because like we can speculate uh, about this happening to some like hypothetical future movement, but you can bet that this shit has actually happened already. So sorry, that was probably the longest answer. It was. It was probably the most detailed. So we'll we'll accept it. Um, there are two <laughs> really good questions right for the end. So I'm going to kind of bundle them together. So what has the American left been getting right, which the Brit- British left hasn't? And I think this kind of and uh, I saw a tweet earlier talk today asking about what the left should be doing in rural areas. What does the panel think is the way forward? So end participation. I know that you happen to live in a rural area. You've mentioned it earlier. So I'll kick this one to you first, just because you might have specific and relevant experience on that question. Right. Well, as, as rural areas go. It's really, really hard to strategize anything political because it's always very particular to the needs of the area you live in. Like, but there are some broad strokes like access to healthcare, uh, public transport, access to housing. Housing is obviously a universal one for pretty much anywhere in the country, I would imagine. But it can bite particularly hard in a rural area because property wealth is very concentrated there in like second homes and that kind of stuff and you know house building faces some restrictions because of like these ideas of natural beauty and all that kind of stuff not in my backyard lots of very you know rich second homeowners b&b for like proprietors all that kind of stuff don't want that kind of stuff uh what else jobs jobs are a bastard uh and just the brain drain as well so these are all issues that you can kind of fold into your understanding of rural areas and like Try and strategize around them, but also you're never going to get very far advocating like a properly, explicitly socialist politics or like a, a working class politics like you would find in a, a like an urban centre. What you're going to have to do is like focus on local causes and like issues that people actually care about. Like, say, there was there was a, a very successful grassroots campaign here uh, to stop a local school from closing. And these are the kind of issues that you're going to have to grapple with in order to make the connections and like have the one-to-one conversations with people and to have some basis of organizing anything for, in your local community. Whether it's like uh, if you're running in like local council elections or anything like that, having that basis of like base of goodwill amongst the people that you know. Or if you want to actually try and you know start a trade union branch or... If you, you know, if you want to do pretty much anything, if you want to bring any kind of political leverage into anything, you're going to have to just do this sort of very, again, dog shit politics grunt work. You're going to have to just get people on your side doing these things, being involved actively in your local community. Uh, what was the other part of the question? Uh, the other part was what has the American left been getting right that the British left hasn't? So I don't know if you follow America too closely, but... Hard to argue that they took Bernie losing better than us. They took it a lot better than we did. I think much of it depends on not having an actual leadership to the Democratic Party that they have to worry about too much. I mean, beyond getting a presidential candidate out there, they can 
primary people and hold them accountable through that and push the party left using a sort of a very determined leftward pressure just by, by primary and candidates, I guess. I'm not even entirely sure how the system works over there, to be honest, but that's the impression I get. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it there because my understanding of US politics isn't great, apart from it just being wall-to-wall dog shit. Okay, uh, Juliet, um, whichever of the questions you feel more able to uh, tackle there. Um... Yeah, I mean, I don't actually have that much to say about either of them um, not being in a rural area and not being like that into American politics. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people, are, I'm hearing this a lot from people, um, that the American left has got a lot of things right that we didn't. But like, we got far, far closer to getting our left candidate into office than, than they did. Uh, you know, I mean, I was watching, you know, following the American primaries at the start of this year, um, Democratic primaries, and, um, you know, you could see from the percentages that Bernie Sanders was getting, you know, there were less than like 30% of the vote. And it was very, very obvious that the Democrats would, you know, throw their weight behind one anti-Sanders candidate, and then they would find it very, very easy to stop him. Um, I mean, I'm surprised that they went for Joe Biden, um, given the sort of, you know, general state that he's in. But, um, you know, the stupidity of the Democratic Party is, is limitless and can never be, uh, you know, never be underestimated. Um, so... You know, yeah, like we we got far far closer in twenty seventeen, um, and even twenty nineteen to getting getting a socialist government than than they did. Um, I mean, you know, it's partly the primary system. I mean, you know, one of the biggest failings of Corbynism was not managing to achieve open selection within the Labour Party. It was really kind of important to do that, and we we didn't manage to. Um, so I, I, I'm sort of with, with our participation here that a lot of it is just down to different uh, different structures. Um, and I think a lot of the, the things that the Americans have been doing for the last few years are sort of slowly picking up here, sort of creation of an alternative media infrastructure, uh, podcasting as well as publications. Um, you know, I, I don't look to the left in America with, with jealousy, to be honest. Um, maybe I should be, but I'm not. Okay, Jack, go for it. Either question, um, whichever you feel more able really to tackle. I'm I'm gonna take the American one because I I feel you know I live in a rural area, but I, I there's something I really resent about the way that like Lisa Nandy type fucking weirdos like fetishize all this shit, you know, towns and whatever. Uh, it, something something so like calculated and cynical about that, and I I yeah I so I would never see myself as a, as a spokesman for uh, you know anywhere that's not in a city. So I'll, I'll dodge that one and take the American one um what what can we like learn from america i don't know not that much <laughs> there was a thing like i basically agree with all that juliet said um there was this because obviously so corbyn was defeated just that little bit before sanders just a, a few months so there was a few incredibly irritating months on the timeline where people were like uh basically kind of making out oh the thing is you know jeremy corbyn is just not as talented a politician as bernie sanders i'm afraid this just comes down to personal virtue 
uh, and political acumen. And uh, then what do you know? It turns out that just being a leftist candidate means that you have the entire establishment stacked up against you and both of them lost. Uh, yeah, so so, so I, I hope that led people to have a little bit of introspection as to how it wasn't like Sanders is this great politician, Corbyn is just an inept one, because actually, like Juliet said, um, in many ways, the Corbyn project got way further than Bernie ever did. Where I think we can learn from American politics is, um, you know, all real politics is often compared to Chapo Trap House. I mean, I do I do listen to a bit of Chapo. I like the show. Sometimes I don't pay as much attention to it because I'm when I'm not following American politics. My favorite episodes are probably the ones where they talk about movies actually. But um but what what they have done really well is uh essentially handle the defeat of the left. Uh, as far as I know, Bernie getting defeated in 2016 uh, and then 2020, uh, maybe, I think maybe the latter, some some liberal arsehole posted a thing showing Chapo's in, uh, financial intake going down this year. But I think, you know, that might be like a corona thing. That might just be people not having as much money to spend. So, you know, I think we can look at how... Um, how the defeat of Sanders either time just didn't dent their confidence in politics. I mean, that's been the sad thing to witness about British politics is just uh, the last couple of years is the extent to which people's confidence in their own politics uh, has been sapped to the extent you see all these weird, you know, um, well, you'd, I, I, I'd usually say these people are like test tube created Blairites. You know, these people who are about 15 and think that, Tony was the greatest thing ever to happen. Uh, and the second greatest was like Jack Straw, um, uh, you know, pick your favorite human rights violation. But, um, but no, uh, you know, you see these people saying, oh, no, you know, I was a Corbyn Easter crank in 2017 and i wonder what they mean by crank because i wonder if you if you go back to what they were saying in 2017 it was all like israel this mossad that it probably wasn't you know it was probably just like jeremy corbyn's a good man and i hope that labor form a government <laughs> uh and just like so there's just been an incredible like uh concerted effort to get everyone on the left to fucking hate themselves the last few years in britain and you know what we can learn from america is don't get bullied as fucking easily don't uh because some worthless asshole who writes oh have we lost have we lost jack briefly Oh, we did lose Jack right in the middle of him calling people assholes. Um, that's unfortunate. Um, oh, hello. MI5 just will not let Jack speak the truth. Yeah, sorry, where was I cut off on uh, that? You were cut I'm... off at assholes. Yeah. <laughs> um, rather funny. fucking arsehole. Oh, interesting. Okay, so, no, but basically just don't let people who are just objective pieces of shit morally browbeat you. Like, I don't like for some left wing journalists uh, as a key example seem to be so susceptible to um, the, the views of people who are um, not left wing, but are journalists, you know, <laughs> and, and, and I just think, you know, if Jonathan Friedland tells you that you've destroyed the Labour Party while writing his next column, which will be like the Labour Party membership, a scum. 
um, don't why would why would you listen to him? Uh, and so 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 that's what we need to learn from from the Americans. Have have uh, have faith in our values and our principles, and don't um and and don't let the worst people in the world who people who fucking like people browbeat you like it's just an absurd position to think that jeremy corbyn is more morally compromised than the people who did uh who did the iraq war like don't succumb to to the contortions that would make a, a an otherwise decent and discerning person think otherwise that that's that's okay. my two cents on uh on the american question so uh, that was probably our final question. So I dropped the Maldonado emote in the chat because Maldonado was mentioned. If you would like to use the Maldonado emote, subscribe. Also follow me because I generally do fun things like this. Um, I do have, before I let the guests plug themselves and all of their good things, uh, a couple of small requests uh, on behalf of friends. Um, some of you may have been here when we had... Um, we had the Black Cat Anarchists, uh, sorry, Black Cat Worker Collective on to talk about anarcho co-ops. They have a fundraiser for a new ventilation system, which I'm dropping in the chat. Um, help them out. They're good friends, good comrades. Um, I guess I get to say friends of the stream now. Um, another friend of the stream, uh, Pete, who's also been on, uh, needs help uh, raising funds for his paramedic training. Um, he needs the funding by September, if I recall correctly. So I would really appreciate it. If there's a favor to me, if you're not going to subscribe to me, dump the money into either of these uh, fundraisers. Uh, it would mean a lot to me personally if you help them out. Otherwise, I'm going to hand it back over to the guests um, going from Jack and then round to plug themselves and say goodbye as they wish. Jack well, uh, sorry, it took, took me a second to uh, unmute because I was fiddling with my hair. Um, yeah, uh, so yeah, I mean, check out Real Politic if you want uh, just vile, violent, unabashed slug salting. I've brought back our, um, in acknowledgement, in fact, of these in, uh, in the parlance of the new, new socialist issue, bad new times. I've brought back our 2017 slogan violent unabashed slug salting that is once again our mission statement we're going to keep like talking about films and bob dylan and shit as well but we're putting a lot more focus now into uh you know uh not letting the people brow us and having the the, the courage of our convictions and uh uh rinsing melts essentially so like follow um real politic uh we're on soundcloud we are on twitter uh, rp core intel we are uh on facebook um yeah you know uh and listen to the gapecast not enough people listen to gapecast but we've got a fantastic new uh mini series coming out about mike gapes's attempt to uh set up uh the the, the spiritual successor to woodstock or Altamont, possibly uh, Gape Fest. So, yeah, look out for that, folks. Oh, I'm looking forward to Gape Fest. Um, oh, Juliet appears to have dropped just oh, before shit. I could. Um, just before I could throw it to her. Damn. Um, okay, end participation. Why don't you uh, you plug yourself and your stream? 
Sorry, forgot how to unmute myself there briefly. I've been oh, very I good at that so far. Um, yeah, that's, that's all good. Um, I have a Twitch channel, uh, which I will be starting a stream on at about 9 o'clock tonight, I think. Uh, shamelessly piggybacking off Sinan's stream, as I always do, for trickle-down clout. Uh, and it's the same as my Twitter handle uh, that's just been posted there, helpfully by Sam, aka Sapphite, in the chat. So uh, it's that, in participation, uh, spelt Spanishly, for reasons I won't go into. Uh, at twit on twitch.tv or Twitter, wherever you would like to reach me and see my terrible content. Uh, I've also got some other projects I'm working on, but I won't go into them this time because uh, I'm very much up in the air whether they'll actually get done. So that's that. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if Juliet is coming back. I will just quickly uh, see if she is. Uh, otherwise. Um... I, I think Juliet left because she ah. was triggered by me reminding her of the uh, the traumatic listening experience that was the gate cast yes. where uh, Raphael Bear is banging on about how shoes don't look like feet. That's really an overwhelming uh, listen and maybe not something one wants to be reminded of. That, that did harrow me uh, pretty badly. So we'll just wait a couple of minutes if the rest of the guys are cool waiting. We can just talk nonsense for this end bit. Because we've uh, we've completely exhausted the serious topic, and um... shoes aren't shaped like feet, guys. That's that, that that's for conspiracy. They're trying to keep from you. They're they're trying to pull the wool over your eyes, but don't listen to them. The shoes they're not shaped like feet. Read Raphael Bear. He's got the secrets. He's the only one who'll tell it how it is. We've gone back to my normal level of content, everyone. It took us about four <laughs> seconds to go to my usual level of content. The shoes! They're not shaped like feet! Thank you, thank you, Tim. My hair doesn't indeed... Who is behind this? Who's <laughs> covering head... it up? <laughs> My hair does indeed look phenomenal, and I'm well aware of that. I washed it yesterday, so it looks really good. Um, and who, who's, who's the next Mike Gates? Who's the next Mike Gates? I feel like as a bonus Me. question, we can get speculate on who the next Mike Gates is going to be. Um... I don't know. It just seems like there's nobody in the current parliament of that caliber, if you know what I mean. You know, a, a, an orator, a statesman, you know, a, a, a real, uh, a big beast of politics. It just feels like this this new generation are just lightweights, to be honest. Yeah. You'll never see the lake again. Yeah, it's. I think it's a once in a lifetime politician. Was Mike? I don't think Juliet is coming back, but uh, you can follow her on uh, Twitter. It's been dropped in the chat several times. Um, it's good night from us. I'm gonna try and stay cool and immediately remove my shirt, but I'm doing that off camera. So sorry, everyone. Get <laughs> off, boys. If you if you want Dicks to see out. me without my shirt on, there is. Oh wait, hold on. Uh, Juliet came back as I mentioned taking my shirt off. So um, okay. it was it was when I said dicks out for some yeah. reason. Ju uh, Juliet, would you uh, would you like to uh, just say goodbye to the chat? Um, since you are apparently back. Um, Either that or someone with the same avatar has jumped in. Juliet, unmute yourself. Yeah, you're still muted. No, oh, no. Hang on. Everyone, check out Juliet's podcast, Sweet 212. It's really good. She's been talking about trying to get Jeremy Corbyn on it. They had Brian Eno on before. It, it's sick, trust me. Check it out. Rules. Getting Brian Eno on, that's absolutely awesome. <laughs>
Um, it's it's really good. Yeah, it is really good. Um, I need to get big name. I might try and get Matt Zab on this and see. Um, yeah, see he'll what, go on. I think. Yeah, I'm 100 percent sure he'll come on. But yeah, um, man. And yes, Matt's Juliet did do the guy. article on nineties comedy, and it was very good. Um, otherwise, yeah. it's good night from all of us. Um, and the shirts will be coming off once we come off there. Sorry, everyone, <laughs> you, you're deprived of the that fantastic content. Out. Good night. Remember to follow me and subscribe so I can pay rent and uh, tell my dad that I made money playing video games. We'll get Keith on at some point. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. Sorry, all. but real real politic are on Patreon as well. Please subscribe to us too. Yeah. Subscribe to all of us. We all we all have a Patreon or a Twitch stream or something. So yeah. Please do. Does, all right, guys. See ya.